five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher, and this is the Space Q Podcast. Today we're doing something a little different. On this episode, I'm going to provide a recap of last week's Canadian Space Summit. I'm going to start first with my thoughts on the conference itself. The Canadian Space Summit is co-hosted by the Canadian Space Society and the Satellite Canada Innovation Network, known as SATCAN. It's a good conference that should be even bigger next year now that SATCAN is helping out. This year's event was a little late in getting started as SATCAN was also focused on organizing the excellent Canadian Pavilion at the International Astronautical Congress in Washington. The summit could use a new, more organized website to start with and have the schedule available a couple of months earlier. If that's done, I believe that next year's event could attract three to 500 people, depending on the marketing and the schedule. The good news is, is that the organizers have already booked the conference for the next two years. We know that the event next year will happen November 17th through the 19th at the Brook Street Resort in Canada, which is part of the greater Ottawa region. It's a good location. The following year, the event will happen November 16th through the 18th at the same resort. Now, in Canada, there are two events that I consider the premier space conference events of the year that happen on an annual basis. They include this conference, which is in November every year. And then there's the Cassie Astro Conference, which is now an annual conference that happens in May or June. Next year, it'll happen between May 26th and 28th at the Weston Airport Hotel in Toronto. All right. Our coverage of the summit includes several stories in this podcast. Our first story is online and is focused on a consultation Global Affairs Canada had with industry at the summit. The title of the story, which we published yesterday, is Space Provisions of Canada, European Union Trade Agreement, Ineffective. CETA, for those who don't know it, stands for Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement. It's something that was negotiated by the Harper government going back to the early 2010, I think around that time frame, and it was actually, uh, everything was worked out by 2014, and then it was signed in 2016. Okay, so what happened at the conference? I'm going to go over some of the, the broad highlights. I can't cover everything, but I, I will cover some of the things that I found interesting. And like I said, that's not covering everything. What struck me at this conference and going at this conference um, every year is the fact that we're getting more larger players involved. That includes Airbus and now SES. They're both trying to make a bigger push in Canada. Airbus started its push well over a year ago. 
Um, it's trying to expand business in Canada, and it sees opportunity. SES, well, that's something new for them. I'll get to that in a second. What's of interest is that the day before the conference started, Airbus held an industry day. SpaceQ, as you would imagine, was not invited, unfortunately. <laughs> would have been great to have been a fly on the wall there. But having said that, we did talk to people who went to the event, or I did. Uh, from what I understand, it was well done. It showcased what Airbus is planning to do, including looking for more partners in Canada and building a larger supply chain. For SES Networks, they sent Sergey Mumert, a senior vice president, global cloud sales and strategic partnerships to talk about SES Networks. His talk was titled, Building the Cloud-Optimized Satellite, Satellite Ecosystem. SES actually opened up the conference as the first plenary. Sergey spent some time talking about the O3B M-Power non-geostationary satellite or orbit service and platform. What I found interesting in discuss, talking with Sergey afterwards and John Clark was what their plans are in Canada. They couldn't tell me everything, but we're going to talk and, and get more information a little bit later, and I'm going to have, actually have a story that will have more information on that. John Clark is a veteran in the SATCOM world and was brought in as SES employee number one in Canada, at least in terms of a new entity. Uh, John's title is Senior Sales Director. While SES has done business in Canada for many years, they're now on planning on opening up a new Canadian subsidiary and office. Of note, they already have a limited presence in Canada as the majority shareholder in Ciel Satellite Group, which is based in Ottawa. Another company looking to make a push into Canada is SSC Space US. They have a footprint here already, but they want to do more. The company is a subsidiary of the Swedish Space Corporation. Matthias Abrahamsen spoke about the opportunities that are now present for Canadians and others to launch suborbital rockets. That's been around for a while but now they're really making a big push. They're also planning on launching orbital rockets. That is new. Uh, they're in the process of building a new extension to their spaceport in Sweden for this. SSC is also an important ground station player, including in Inuvik. While Airbus continues its push in Canada, its largest competitor is MDA, the Canadian division of Maxar. MDA sent Chris Pogue, President, Government Programs, to tell the story of what MDA is doing and where it's going. Chris is a dynamic speaker who exudes confidence. I'll also say that MDA was the lead sponsor or platinum sponsor of the conference, while SES and Airbus were the gold sponsors. The fact that these major companies are sponsoring this event on an annual, hopefully annual basis, at least NBA has been annual for a while, Airbus has been there for a couple of years, and now SES and others, is a good sign for the Canadian market and for this conference. 
While MDA has been the lead prime in Canada for some time, it's clear Airbus is trying to wrestle some market share away from them. Airbus and SCS clearly see opportunity in Canada. That's a good thing, as it suggests the market is expanding. And we've seen that happening, though more on the military side as opposed to the civil side. Although with the Artemis, the US-led Artemis program, there's definitely opportunities for Canada, as we've seen with the government announcing earlier this year, its commitment to the program and $1.9 billion for that over, I believe, 24 years. But MDA isn't sitting idly by while competitors try to get market share. Daniel Schulten is the director of MDA's Launchpad, an initiative that aims to get SMEs collaborating with MDA. Early indications are the initiative is attracting collaborators and that several projects could come to fruition. And to listen to Chris Pogue, the Radarsat Constellation mission follow-on program will happen. Okay, what else happened at the conference? At a side event, there was the Optical Satcom Consortium Workshop. You may be asking yourself, what is the Optical Satcom Consortium? Well, at this conference, we got our first introduction to this new consortium. The workshop itself was for members only and was held the first two days of the conference. The creation of this new consortium and getting to this point has taken well over a year. The public session that was held um, was introduced by uh, Ryan Anderson of SATCAN, uh, but the thrust of the, the speech was given by Sylvain Raymond of the National Research Council. He provided an overview of what the group will be doing and who the members are. The consortium is a Government of Canada effort led by the National Research Council and includes SATCAN as a partner. We'll have a story on this new consortium in the coming days. As you would expect at these conferences, you sometimes across sessions to provide you an unexpected story. Such was the case with a session on Leo Constellation data being available to rural and remote communities. In fact, uh, it was basically, you know, Telesat is going to be building this constellation. Of course, there's OneWebs and others, and they're going to be providing 50 megabits of download to rural and remote communities. One of the speakers was Chad English. He works as an industrial technical advisor at the National Research Council. He talked about some interesting drone technology, but importantly, he cited some very interesting examples of what high-speed internet will mean to these rural and remote communities. I spoke with him afterwards, and I hope to have him as a guest on the show soon to talk about what the implications will be for society. And, and it's a fascinating topic because I don't think the general public understands what having access to this bandwidth will mean. So we're going to talk about that in the podcast, hopefully in the next few weeks. Another interesting that came, that came out of another session 
was a panel that was organized by Magellan Aerospace, uh, with the moderator being Eric Choi, and it was on suborbital missions. Canada has a long history of suborbital missions, that is, up until about 20 years ago. In fact, the Black Brant rocket, which is made in Winnipeg, celebrated its 60th anniversary this year. Magellan produces 12 to 15 Black Brants a year to one customer, NASA. They launch them from a variety of locations. I did a little bit of research, and by my count, NASA's launched 10 Black Brant rockets this year to date. A question Eric posed, and which is obviously part of Magellan's marketing pitch, why doesn't Canada purchase and use these suborbital rockets? It's a good question. It's a question that SpaceQ will explore in a future article. Another talk that caught my attention was from Ken Podwalski, who's the project manager of the Canadian Space Agency's Lunar Gateway Program. He spoke in in part about how Canada got to be a leader in space robotics and what's going to happen with the Lunar Gateway Program. I've tentatively titled my article, The Building Blocks of Autonomous and AI-Driven Canadian Robotics Technologies. Of interest in the talk, was how the Lunar Gateway could have up to three robotic arms. A large one, which we've seen illustrations of, which we've dubbed Canada Canada Arm 3. A smaller one. And, potentially down the road, one inside the Gateway module, or more than one. In talking with Ken after the talk, he said the latter of putting a arm within the gateway module is a difficult task. But it is something that they want to do. It's a challenge. It won't happen by the 2024 time frame when the lunar gateway needs to be in place, in theory, for the first landings of Americans on the moon. But down the road, it could be something that does happen. And as I've Stated before in many of my articles that deal with robotics in Canada, we have a lead in this area, not just because we build it, but because of years of experience and the knowledge base that's been created. Robotics in the future, in the development of low Earth orbit, in the development of the moon, lunar gateway, cislunar space, and then beyond, is going to be critical. Canada has an opportunity, not just through MDA, through its partners and other entries that may exist or may not exist yet, to do some incredible work in this area. All right. Lastly, I want to talk about the gala reception. The gala speaker this year was Ian Christie. For those who follow Space in Canada, Ian's name will be familiar. He is also the host of SpaceQ's new podcast called Terranauts. He spoke about his experience on launch day. It was a funny, thought-provoking, and in my opinion, a great talk. We recorded it, and we'll have it available as this Thursday's podcast. 
But that's not the end of it. Ian wants to hear from you, our listeners. Because there's a lot of people out there who work in the space industry, who have a launch day story, but uh, most people have never heard about it. So, what we'd like to do is have you send us your launch day story. It can be a short note, just introducing what it would be, or it can be the full story. If we get enough of them, and we've already gotten a few, we'll do a podcast just on that, featuring the launch day stories of our listeners. Because that's what Terranaut's all about. It's about hearing from people who work in space every day, but don't go to space. You can send your stories to podcast at spaceq.ca. Okay. I could say more on the conference as so, there was so much happening. I'm looking forward to next year's conference already. There's a lot of other conferences between now and then that I hope to go to, including the Astro 2020 conference in Toronto next May. Upcoming, there's also the Queen Space Conference, which I believe is in January. There's also a hypersonic conference that's going to be happening in Montreal, I believe, in March, which is also being put on by Cassie and co-hosted with the AIAA in the U.S. Anyway, one thing I'm f- that is for sure, I tried to get two of us to cover the conference this year. I couldn't get the second person. There was a conflict in their schedule. Next year, I'm planning to have three people there so that we can cover more. But in the meantime, in the course of the next week or so, there will be more stories that pop up about the conference. So please visit spaceq.ca for those stories. And one last thing. If you like the format of just hearing from me about certain topics, I'd like to hear your feedback on this podcast. So just send me an email. Give me your thoughts. Mark at spaceq.ca. Okay. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap on this podcast. If you have comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca. I read and answer all your comments in a timely fashion. You can also find Space Q on Twitter at Canada in Space, and we post all our articles and podcasts to Facebook. Regardless of which app you use to listen to us, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate our podcast and write a review. Of course, that's only if you like us. Your rating and review will help us in getting the podcast widely listened to. And hey, if you like what we do, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash spaceq. Lastly, if you haven't listened to the latest episode of our new podcast, Terranauts, what are you waiting for? Host Ian Christie is a natural interviewer who knows how to tease good stories from those who work every day in space, but don't go to space. Terranauts is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite app. Listen to it now. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.